Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. Thursday morning. Um, I don't know how uh, your West Virginia foliage is yet. You guys come in a little later, I believe, than the Massachusetts, right? I think early. we do. I can tell you, it's it's it got cold early this year. It's like forty five degrees now. It's about. It feels more like it feels more like mid October than late September. So mm-hmm. that might affect things, Bill. It's messed up uh, our tomatoes. How? I can tell you that. I had no idea you had you had tomato patch going. Not here at home, but just the in general, <laughs> the, the organ, you know, the heirloom tomatoes that I try to get from farmers markets and stuff. It's it's not a good scene. Uh, hold, okay, let's let let's back up several steps here. Okay, so number <laughs> number one. Are you saying that West Virginia is known for its tomatoes? No, but you know, I live, okay, so where I live, as you know, Bill, is I'm within uh, 10 miles of Maryland and Virginia. So this is very cosmopolitan here, but I like, I am a tomato fan (laughs) and it's cold. I mean, it has gotten nippy out there. Look, I'm wearing a sweater, Bill. This is not normally not sweater season. Now, are you shopping regularly at farmers markets? Well, first of all, uh, as a crunchy con, I do like farmers markets. As a con, I send my wife. Um, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a member of the patriarchy, I send her. But I do consume lots of, of locally grown organic foods. So yes, do you make do you do you make your own sauce with your West Virginia tomatoes? Again, I would outsource that to my better half, but she's an amazing cook, Bill. <laughs> um, my wife and I together you know, uh, made some sauce uh, with some Western Mass tomatoes uh, recently, which I've been using on my pizzas as well as with my meatballs. We should, um, by the way, I saw some pictures of, of some of the stuff you've been making, I, the pizzas uh, on, on social media. They look great. We should do another show someday where remember one one year that my wife Erin joined you I think it was around Mother's yep. Day for a yep. discussion and you guys could you guys could talk about I mean it's, it's not that I'm above it I just I'm not good at it I don't think she would let me so, cook. So, so so you never cook there's no day that's like this is what Matt cooks only if I really want scrambled eggs myself and no one's around but but I will say this Bill in defense of me which should also be a good podcast title. Um, she's teaching. She's teaching our boys how to cook, okay. and so they're learning. They're better cooks than you. Oh yeah, especially my older boy is 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 much better than me. So, so that's that's good. I mean, my wife is the better cook, but I am doing all the cooking right now. She's well, a busier it's a- person. It's a great skill. And, you know, obviously you and I have been long off the dating market, but I imagine if you could cook a, a good meal, it wouldn't hurt. If, if 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 you were able on a date or something to make a great meal for a lady, that would be probably a good move. So, you know. Oh, yeah. you Like you should have like a couple of things that you do well. If you're not like an all around amazing cook, you should have you should have your go to's. Yeah. Well, hopefully my son will you know, take the uh, torch and <laughs> and run with it. But um, anyway, I guess I guess we should. This is the time where I'm saying we should jump into politics because I'm because I can't talk about this stuff. So let's talk about it. 
Um, someone who probably is not great around the kitchen is Joe Biden. Uh, weird. I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't assume that. Weird segue. Um, but he, he, for he's, a long time. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he can make his make his pancakes and his burgers. <laughs> I'm afraid he would remember some of the ingredients, Bill, and that's where we're going. With this. <laughs> that's where we're going with this because you know there've been a lot of instances in recent years where. We've, we've seen signs where Joe Biden might be experiencing cognitive decline. Uh, I saw a video. Now, this was put out by the RNC. So, you know, that's the caveat. But it was a video about a week or two ago where Biden um, is like finished speaking and he's just sort of like looking around. And I always wonder, it, it looked very odd to me and very weird, but you have to wonder, like, is this selectively edited? Was he told, go over here, and, and then the person wasn't there? Um, but the most recent example was when he called out a congresswoman who died in August. Um, where Where's Jackie, I think, was the, the line, uh, which I guess now is... Whereas Jackie is now like an iconic line, maybe it should have been like an 80s sitcom or something. But um, Bill, I don't think we can dismiss this as simply a gaffe. This this strikes me as as problematic. He put out a he put out a press release or a statement. Is it Jackie Walorski, I think is her name or was her name? He he knew that she passed away in August and apparently looking for her. At events in September. I mean, do we know that he, that he knew? I mean, I assume there was some statement that was issued. Well, he definitely put out a statement when she right. died, and it was her right. and I think two staffers in a car crash, as I recall. Um, I don't know if he verbally spoke about it. So it's possible if it's just a release, a press release, that someone else wrote it and he didn't. But, I, you know, it seems implausible that he didn't know at the time. It was pretty big news, as you may recall. I agree, but well, if, let me let me back up a little bit first. I mean, number number one, and, and you mentioned this to me, you know, offline previously. You know, this sort of thing is not out of character for Biden right. at, at any age. That's true. Um, you know, it was 2008 when he was on the campaign trail and he was acknowledging someone in the audience and said, "Chuck, stand up, let him see you." And the guy was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, he's always done weird stuff. Uh, now, uh, I think, and, and, and the RNC clip that I saw, I saw it in your feed. I thought that was a total nothing burger. Mm. Uh, that was just, I, I, this is just, I mean, this is simply, I think anybody could not have been told or remembered like his stage directions after the speech. You go, Hey, where do I, do I go backstage? I go in the audience. What do I do right now? He's like, hey, excuse me, going to an agent. Hey, where do I go from here? Like that seems. Like, you, you, I'm sure you could find a whole bunch of clips of younger politicians in the same position. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that I, one became news the way that the Where's Jackie thing has become news. Where's Jackie? Something a much bigger thing. Yeah. Uh, that his spokesperson did a terrible job answering for. Right. Uh, so this is his his press secretary who basically. Uh, denies that there's a that it happened. I mean, is is is, I mean, I don't know how to characterize it, but she basically uh, won't. She won't admit that it happened effectively. How how would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, she it, it was definitely like straight denial. 
Um, no real explanation what occurred to say, oh, cool, of course he knew. He wasn't even like, he wasn't even saying that you, you, you didn't know. You know, it was, it was, you know, it was Baghdad Bob kind of stuff. Uh, but the question is, is it cognitive decline or, you know, short-term memory loss or something like that that involves his brain? Or is it something that you, you say is implausible? They actually didn't know. They're like, no one thought to actually tell him that the statement was put out before in a perfunctory way. He's the president of the United States. He's got 20 other things going on at one time. It was not brought to him for a formal sign off. And everybody thought that somebody else told him and nobody actually did, uh, which would be a reflection of, you know, horrifically bad staff work, which the White House would not want to cop to either. Uh, and so you're left with a Baghdad Bob kind of statement. I can't I can't say I know which one it is. The only thing that makes me not consider that the implausible reason is Biden has done stuff like this before his whole career. Yeah. So I think that if this were Trump, it would have been an even bigger deal. The media would be, you know, forget the like a big deal. Forget Hurricane Ian. <laughs> We're going wall-to-wall coverage on this. I mean, I know, her, um, hurricanes push up news all the time, even even with Trump. But there's a big hurricane. This is a huge hurricane. I agree. I agree. I agree. But I, I'm just saying, I think it would have been even more coverage if it had been Trump. And I also think you would have more people calling for Biden to not run for re-election if it weren't for the fact that Trump is out there, right? I mean, like... Joe Biden may be the only person standing between us and Donald Trump. I think Biden fulfilled his mission. You've written about this, Bill. Mission accomplished. Like He won in 2020. He's probably the only person who could have actually won that election. He beat Trump. And I think maybe the real story is that there isn't anyone else, that we are in a position, Bill, of this gerontocracy where our two best options are Donald Trump or Joe Biden. And there's well, no plan and there's no plan B. I don't I don't I think Democrats should not be so uh, uh down on themselves to believe that nobody else can do it. Only Joe Biden can do it. Now look, I'm not I'm not anti-Joe Biden. Uh I'm not I I I do not believe he's having cognitive decline. Uh wait I, a second. I, I I, let's just put a pin in that. Yeah. You believe you do not believe that Biden is having cognitive decline. I do not believe Joe Biden is having cognitive decline. And what's your I mean, I, you, you've postulated a few different theories. One, what is that? I, 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 I think I'll, I don't see I've not seen Biden do anything that isn't out of character. Biden has done weird stuff. All I mean, I've said this on other past shows. Now, I, I, do you see his age? Yeah. You know, he's slower, he's lower energy. You know, that's not unusual for somebody who's, you know, about, about to turn 80. Uh, that's a different thing than cognitive decline, although obviously people can conflate the two or presume the, the one means the other. And I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not saying that my diagnosis is definitive. That's just that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my argument that I wrote about back in the summer was my memo to Joe Biden. Uh, 
you don't need to run because second terms are terrible and it's going to be miserable for you. The miserable for younger presidents, like why, why subject yourself to it? You don't need to do it. Uh, and uh, I think Democrats have to have enough confidence that they have other candidates who can step up. I mean, it, it, if their whole premise is only Joe Biden can save us, he's not going to be there for much. One way or the other, he's not going to be there forever. So you better figure out who else can do this. And, and, and yeah. by the same token, Donald Trump's not going to be around forever. There are other authoritarians out there. He's not the well, only but authoritarian there is nothing to look, worry about. We'll, we'll, we'll see how Ron DeSantis handles the hurricane. But uh, I think Ron DeSantis is well poised to, to step in and, and adopt the mantle. I don't think the same is true of Democrats. Now, look, Kamala Harris would be a disaster. I, I think Trump would beat her, and I think it would be horrible. Um, so I think the heir apparent is, is, is a bad option. Um, but if you don't go with her, if you go with, say, Pete Buttigieg, for example, or is it Chris Smith? You know, is that the guy's name? Like, there are a couple of kind of like uh, uh, white liberal, Demo- white men. Liberal. Well, I, mean, I mean, Gavin Newsom just talked about more than. Well, I, mean, I don't think Gavin Newsom's going to be the, the, the great. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the Smith is you're talking about. Okay. Well, anyway, let's go with Pete Buttigieg, a name I, a name. So may, maybe I'm having, you know, some recall issues here. I don't know. But Pete Buttigieg, for example, I mean, here's a guy, I mean, he's secretary of, of what, transportation. Um, you know, he was mayor of like a small town, um, but he, he, he does have the ability, I think, to, to persuade and he's a good communicator. But would the Democratic Party push Kamala aside for Buttigieg? Well, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much to, to go again to 2024. We don't even know what Biden is going to do here. Uh, I, I, I think if Biden did not run, it would be a messy situation for Democrats. They, they, they would not easily consolidate around any one person. I'm not saying it can't be Kamala. I think very well it could be Kamala, but she wouldn't be. It wouldn't be handed to her. Uh, there's a lot of definitely concern that she's not up to the task. Uh, but Democrats have to have a degree of faith that they have the better argument that the majority of the country doesn't want authoritarianism and does not specifically want Trump, uh, that they can find a candidate and a platform and a team that can uh, meet the challenge, Kamala or otherwise. Uh, I, I would agree that there's nobody who is perfectly positioned to be that person. Uh, anyone's going to have to, you know, raise their game to do it. But if you don't think if you don't think anybody else can do that, well, then you might as well just give up because someone's going to have to do it at some point. Yeah, you know, maybe Michelle Obama or something. Anyway, we don't need to get down that rabbit hole. But um, I just find I think it's interesting. You do not think this is a problem um, necessarily. Well, I didn't say it's not. I didn't say it's not a problem. Um, there's certainly a perception problem. Uh, I mean, it's frustrating for Democrats because, you know, they were worried about Biden, how much gas is in the tank for Biden in the summer when the legislative agenda was stalled. They had this burst of positive activity at the tail end of summer. They get the Inflation Reduction Act passed. They get the CHIPS Act passed. They they get more aid to Ukraine. Uh, The war in Ukraine starts to turn around. Gas prices start coming down. 
you know, things are starting to really click. And, and of course, uh, abortion is not that they're happy about what's going on with abortion, but politically it was turning things in their, in their favor. Uh, and even Biden's, you know, speech in Philadelphia, while it was controversial to some, uh, it didn't feed a notion that he wasn't up to the task. He seemed like he was still fully engaged and energized. So the question of, of his ability to do the job had really subsided. And all polling has suggested in the past month that at minimum, Dems were unified, which is not always the case in the midterm year. There, there was, you're seeing more division on the Republican side of the fence than the Democratic side of the fence. Uh, and now, uh, and this may be segues into another, another you know, yeah, topic good here. Segue. Uh, Republicans are starting to sort of find their footing. Uh, they're managing to talk about things that are not abortion, immigration, crime, uh, to some extent, inflation. Uh, and and now you got Biden making a big gaffe. Uh, now you got more things that are, are or can potentially cause more Democratic division in the home stretch. Bill, you segued better than a mall cop. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me just uh, so I wrote a piece this week because we we saw we've seen a poll, um, and we've seen we've seen some some signs that maybe you know starting in the summer as you mentioned Democrats started to kind of get this momentum and remember up until up until this summer conventional wisdom was that the question isn't whether there'll be a red wave it's how big will it be a tsunami then this summer. Conventional wisdom started to shift a little bit. And then the conventional wisdom became, hey, you know, Republicans will still take the House, but it's going to be a very slim majority. Uh, and Democrats very well may hold on to the Senate. So I, I think the momentum shifted toward Democrats and the conventional wisdom shifted toward Democrats. And now with, we're within six weeks of, of Election Day of the midterms. It feels like we're starting to see some signs that maybe Republicans are going to, you know, reassert uh, their advantage. And, and you know, I think the question is whether the uh, the polls are, are outliers or harbingers of things to come. But I'll say one thing, Bill, that seems to be a trend, and it's what you alluded to, it's that abortion is not the number one issue that voters seem to care about. It's the economy and it's crime. And that would presumably well, well, be problematic. Well, well, I don't think, I mean, abortion never ra got up to being number one. When you ask the question, what's your most important issue? It was moving up, but never, it never out, it never eclipsed inflation. Um, crime, I mean, maybe we'll see something different in a week or so, but crime has been polling lower than abortion. Uh, now, now, not according to the, this latest Washington Post poll, which may okay, be an outlier. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, but the, you know that poll, and again, I'm not trying to disregard it. Uh, I did think that poll, like Biden's approval, and this is before the Jackie thing, uh, Biden's approval was really low in that poll. It was, I think, it was 39, which is definitely on the like the literal lower bound of what we've seen is approval as of late, you know, he's been more like lower forties and there even uh, some that have been like 45, which and that's where upper bound. Um, so I did think the Washington post sample struck me as being skewed a little bit to the right. Um, 
but you know, maybe maybe it's a canary in a coal mine, and that's and there's more momentum that way. Yeah. Um, or or, may, or so, maybe or maybe they actually have the better sample. Maybe other people are undersampling Republicans. Yeah, you know, we 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 can't we can't know yet. Um, so we throw it in the average. Um, so if crime, I, I haven't looked at those issue numbers. Of crime, if, was crime literally number one or was it? No, I think it abortion? was number two, but it was well ahead of abortion. And I have to say, though, anecdotally, it looks like Republican candidates are hitting opponents more on the issue of crime lately. Yes. And yes. maybe they have internals. Now, look, some of that's Mandela Barnes. He has a specific vulnerability to that issue uh, because of the defund the police stuff. But I think it's 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 more widespread than just Wisconsin. We're definitely pushing, we're pushing across the country. I think it is definitely making its mark in Wisconsin. I'm not as committed as making its mark elsewhere. Um, uh, and, but at, but at minimum, because Republicans are, you know, creating some news in these areas, um, it's crowding out uh, abortion-related news. Uh, we haven't had like a, a like a fresh abortion development, a fresh case of somebody whose rights were taken away or put in a precarious situation. Uh, we haven't had that, you know, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so you know, maybe that would, maybe we're going to have one of those between now and and, and November. I don't know, um, but I think that is helping Republicans at least find their footing. They have something that they have, they have a story they want to tell uh, that they're having more leeway in telling. Uh, so here I'm trying to find the Washington Post poll here. Yeah. Um, here, so. And by the way, for those out there, check out. I wrote about it at the Daily Beast about <clears throat> this Washington Post poll, and um, whether it is something or or just a an anomaly. Yeah, Rick. I got, I've, I've looked deeper in the poll. They're showing me the article. It doesn't really. Well, let me just get your. Okay, here we go. Okay. No, so. Uh, how important will blank issue be in your vote for this Congress this year? They phrase it a little weirdly. They phrase it. Your choices are one of the single most important issues. Very important. Somewhat important. So actually, if you look at single most important, abortion is actually ahead of crime here. Um they have economy twenty seven percent, abortion twenty two, inflation twenty one. So they split abortion in the economy. They split a inflation in the economy, and crime is down at thirteen behind education, immigration, and climate change. Um, so maybe I was looking yeah, I at think, something that lumped in strongly agree and moderately agree or something. Or when, like you, when you when you when you when you put together single most important and very important. Crime gets you. Yeah, I think when you put those two together, uh, crime jumps up to sixty-seven, and abortion is at sixty-two. There's a lot of crime is ahead of what me. I was, very important. What I was seeing. Uh, so you know, it's a little, it's a little fuzzy there. Um, but yeah, I certainly could see crime being elevated because it's definitely a feature in a lot of these attack ads. Uh, you know, Barnes is in a unique spot. Because one, he has said certain things that uh, you can chop up and make it sound like he's an outright defund the policer. So he made a comment about re reallocating funds from police budgets to other things, which is um, different than like zero them out. Um, 
And he, there's a quote you're, you're seeing used where he said, reducing prison populations has become sexy. Um, now, when Barnes talked about it and when Governor Evers talked about it in the campaign 2018, they talked about reducing the population of nonviolent offenders. Uh, was oh, Evers uh, appointed, I believe with state Senate approval, a guy named John Tate uh, to head the, par- the parole commission. You know, parole is not the same as pardon. Uh, but Tate was taking a very, uh, what he would say data driven, but also progressive view, which is the whole point of parole is giving prisoners incentive for good behavior. You have something to work towards. So you, you can rehabilitate, uh, you are a good, you're a good, you're a model prisoner. You don't get into. Uh, violent fights, you're not smuggling drugs, uh, you are learning a trade, you can actually go, if, if you were let out, you could, you could find some work, you contribute to society. Uh, and so the question becomes, you know, how bad was your crime had to have been for you to not be eligible for such a program? Or should there be any line of that at all? Because again, uh, if the goal is to give people incentive to be better, you know, maybe the crime shouldn't matter. Um, but because of what happened with Willie Horton, of course, you know, you, you have a lot less political appetite for your first degree murderers uh, to get that kind of program. But you still might have people who have like a lesser homicide charge than first degree uh, who are eligible. So uh, so John Tate was uh, approving uh, people who were you know meeting the criteria. Uh, for displaying good behavior, even if they had committed some type of homicide uh, or some kind of child sex abuse. Uh, this is my understanding of it, at least. If I, if I, I mean, I've, I was doing some reading on this last night. So if someone says, hey, you're buying into right-wing talking points, it wasn't really like that, you know, feel free to correct me. But what I, what I read, what I could glean, I think that's my, that's my understanding of what was happening. Uh, now, Evers, the governor, and Barnes, lieutenant governor, they don't, they're not on the parole board. But you're seeing in the ads, uh, you know, the Evers-Barnes administration, you know, Barnes approved, you know, these paroles. And actually, there's a case that happened earlier this year where a man who had murdered his wife was approved for parole. Uh, and the family wasn't notified in advance. The family was livid. Uh, the governor didn't have direct authority to overrule the parole board, but Evers did step in and say, I think this goes too far, uh, and successfully pressured the parole board to rescind the parole. Uh, and uh, and then I think around that same time, the, the parole board chair was pressured to resign. Uh, and so he's not there anymore. But you're still seeing the right-wing force in Wisconsin uses as an example, you know, essentially, you know, your Evers didn't really want to do this. He got pushed into doing it and they haven't really changed their, their, the program. Uh, so pulling these examples out there and they're hanging it around Barnes's neck and they have Barnes saying things like reducing prison populations is sexy. So it's easy to kind of conflate these things, even though Barnes is not literally the guy doing the proles. Now in Pennsylvania, 
Fetterman, lieutenant governor there, is actually on that board, does actually chair that board. So he has direct role in, I, I, I believe, I believe pardons. Um, and Fetterman has leaned into that saying, yeah, I did it. Yeah, this is uh, this is important to me. Uh, these these are people who weren't guilty of their crimes and they were wrong and they were wrongly incarcerated. I absolutely am involved. I'm going to defend my actions. Uh, so but, but you're seeing the Oz campaign trying to make hay of that sort of thing. So you have kind of different um, examples, but it is, are two states with Democratic administrations that were applying you know, progressive principles and pardons and paroles and are now having to uh, explain themselves. So as again, you're being forced to make, your Republicans are making that the issue when, you know, I'm sure in either case, Fetterman or Barnes, like they don't want that to be the issue. They don't want to be referendums on, you know, pardon and parole strategy. They yeah. want it to be on Republican crazy. I mean, Bill, when has that ever actually hurt a candidate though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than, uh, Michael, all... other, than, other than Michael Dukakis uh, and, and, and lots of other examples, I'm sure. Well, Dukakis is the most stark one. Uh, and you know, we had this period in, in I mean, look, you know, Obama had criminal justice reform. Donald Trump had criminal justice reform. You know, Donald Trump commuted prisoners and that's held only, them up. That's like only Nixon can go to China. That's right. Yeah. But you know, we, we talk about, you know, Democrats being sucked into the loosing the football thing all the time. Republicans, they call it the football, they yank it away. Don't fall for it again. Yeah. Uh, well, Bill, how many I mean, how, how many sponsors do we how many Republican sponsors do we have now for this Electoral Reform Act that looks like it's going to easily pass the Senate? Well, well before, before we go down there, we, I'm happy to go down there. You know, you know, people on the left would use this loosing the football. We would talk about times when Democrats thought they could pass a bill of Republican help and Republicans wouldn't step up. Haha, Democrats look stupid. In criminal justice reform, in both the Obama administration and the Trump administration, Republicans voted for criminal justice reform. They actually passed the bill. And so you might think, oh, Republicans are actually doing a good thing. They're diffusing this issue. They're depolarizing it so Democrats, so, so they can't take these outlier examples of this parole or this pardon uh, and use it for, for demagogic purposes because they're on the hook for criminal justice reform too. Guess what? They're doing it anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, that to me is like a much bigger Lucy in the football moment. You fully suck Democrats in because they actually vote for the stuff and they apply the principles. And even though you'd say, hey, I thought you were for this too, boom, they punch you in the face. Uh, so, <laughs> well, okay. But uh, let me segue now because I, I'm doing this because I know we're on a tight, you, you have a hard out, right? Um, so, so let me do my segue. Republicans aren't the only people who double cross people. Because, number one, I remember Joe Biden having a Lucy in the football moment with Republicans with Build Back Better and, and, and the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill. But Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin, you know, U.S. Senator from West Virginia, didn't want to support the Build Back Better uh, because of inflation, which I thought was a perfectly reasonable and here in West Virginia popular position to take. And all of a sudden, he decided 
to basically sell out Republicans. I mean, he's not a Republican, but it still felt like he was abandoning this principle he had set. And he helps, he, he cuts a deal with Chuck Schumer in order to pass Build Back Better. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Bill well, Sherman. It's, it's an Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, it's a scale oh, yeah. Down, you know. So I, I realize it's called that. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a much bill. it's a much smaller bill than what was being proposed before. I, that's I will grant you that it is much smaller, but but correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. The thing that Joe Manchin wanted that he negotiated with Democrats, his le- the leverage that he had, the thing he wanted in order to support it, has now been taken away. Is that am I right? Well, well it's a little oversimplified. <laughs> I mean, there are things he got in the Inflation Reduction Act that he wanted too. I mean, what that wasn't bereft of his priorities. Uh, there was help for you know, you know you know carbon capture money, for example, uh, which is what the coal industry wants, so they can still produce coal but try to capture the carbon. You know, you know that's in there. Um, but a a side deal with Schumer was they would push for a permitting reform to make it easier to construct energy projects, and that would apply for both fossil fuel projects and for renewable energy projects. So. There's actually some divide on the leftover. There's some people in the climate world, particularly renewable energy industry, they're like, hell yeah, you know, we want it to be easy to do solar panel farms and wind farms, geothermal projects. We don't want to get caught up in zoning battles. Um, so we're all for it. Um, but some of the climate activist groups were very negative because they didn't want to see the fossil fuel projects get, you know, um, fast tracked. Uh, and, uh, so Manchin was trying to say, hey, Republicans, you want permanent reform. I want permanent reform. I'm trying to help you here. I'm really, let, let's get this done together. And the Republicans say, your permanent reform sucks. This is barely permanent reform at all. Uh, we think it goes in the wrong direction in some respects. You get your West Virginia project, preferential treatment. What about my North Dakota project? What about my Montana project? Uh, so, so they weren't on board with it. And uh, Schumer and Manchin had agreed to put it in the bill needed to keep the government open past the 30th of this month, a must-pass bill, to say, hey, we're just going to stick it in there, and that way you know, you may not like it, you might not love it, but you're going to vote for it to keep the government open. And instead, uh, Republicans and some Democrats said, we're going to vote to filibuster the initial procedure vote on this and try to force you to strip it out. Yeah. And then Manchin is the one that blinked first, and said, fine, we'll take it out and we'll try to negotiate further and put it on something else later. So they're not you know, out of the game yet. I would say this, though. Um, I, I think that, I mean, I can't know exactly what was in Manchin's head or Schumer's head here, if they were surprised or not. Um, if they really thought they were going to get this and were shocked that Republicans didn't you know, play ball. Uh, I think that Republicans are being you know, disingenuous saying, how dare you have passed this partisan bill and and we're going to help you out now because the two things should be separate. I mean, either you like the permanent reform or not. Uh, And they mentioned never had any obligation to never vote for a reconciliation bill. Uh, Mentioned all along he'd vote for something that was allowing his priorities. So there's no... But Democrats led Republicans, remember, they... Democrats had a deal, uh, not a deal, but but the understanding was that Democrats were not going to try to pass anything, I think, for the rest of the term. 
Where was understanding? That they were not going to try to do (laughs) They built, they waited, they waited until five minutes after Republicans voted in bipartisan fashion on a bill to then pull the rug out from under them. You think it was a coincidence that word leaked that they were going to, you know, unilaterally pass Build Back Better, that it, it, you know, leaked out five minutes after passing a bipartisan bill? Because, 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 you know, Mitch McConnell, during the Build Back Better infrastructure dance, had indicated that, hey, with Democrats to reconciliation, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm for infrastructure because that's a good bill. You know, he was he was not letting that get in the way of a bipartisan agreement. Then Manchin's the one. I'm sorry, the, the Mitch McConnell's the one during the these talks in 2022 saying, if you go ahead with reconciliation, we're gonna we're not we're not gonna be with you on the semiconductors. You know, he's the one that brought the two things together, which it didn't have to be. Uh, so. What do Democrats do? No, no, Democrats didn't say, okay, Mitch, whatever you say, we agree with your linking of these issues. Manchin said, you shouldn't link these issues. Yeah, but, so, if, but if Democrats had had told, if Democrats had been honest about, hey, we're going to use, you know, we're going we're gonna to jam through this bill, then the, the Republicans wouldn't have supported the CHIPS Act, correct? I mean, I, I, that may well be if they were following Mitch McConnell's, you know, mantra on it. And so Schumer and Manchin kept their mouth shut, got the bill passed, and then said, here's what we're going to do. But it's not a violation of an agreement. It's that McConnell was making a demand they thought was unreasonable, and they outfoxed him. Uh, so as what, what man's the same thing if he was in a similar position. Uh, I mean, now look, what man's out? I love how it's outfoxing when Democrats do it. You know what I mean? Like, like. If I, I I have never <laughs> said Mitch McConnell wasn't foxy, you know I, I've never he is, argued he is sexy. Sort of... uh, it, it's the glasses, but yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so look, look, Republicans didn't are not obligated to do anything here. They they don't I mean they they have the power to say screw your permitting reform deal. I mean they they no, no one no one signed a blood oath here on either side. The only thing I would say here is that yeah. I think Manchin may have may have thought that after all the huffing and puffing, they would be clear-eyed and say, "Look, you can get this passed. You have you you want to help coal and you want to help oil and you want to help gas, and they're going to get more out of getting this bill passed." Than not having this bill passed, right? And I and it's going to be and it's gonna, you know Manchin has had a lot of success with the group of ten philosophy: get five Republicans, five Democrats in a room, and negotiate together, and then offer that to the world as this is the sweet spot. Can't do any better than this. Mitch McConnell comes along. Democrats say, "Well, if Mitch McConnell's coming along, I guess we better do it because it's the best we're going to get," and they do it. That model has worked for them. This was not that model. This was two people and not ten. It was Schumer and Manchin, and then spring that onto the Republicans, so they don't have the initial buy-in coming in. But but okay, Manchin but may, let me just well, say this. So, so, I, I want to tie this, I want to tie this off now. Okay, um, I think Manchin may have thought there's no way to do this in the group of ten model. I can't get Democrats to actively buy in 
to all the concessions I have to make the Republicans on board. So the only way I'm going to pull this off is to jam it in a continued resolution to keep the government open, and they have no choice but to accept it. The only way for that theory to work is to hold firm in the wake of a filibuster and not stand down and say, look, are you really going to shut down the government over this? Are you really Republicans going to go to your fossil fuel states and say, I shut down the government because I didn't get as much permitting reform as I wanted? You want to have that argument going into November? Have at it, kids. Um, I think that's what they were hoping to do. But then there were and then decide, you know what? Maybe this is not worth the blood, blood on the floor. Let's see if we can turn down the temperature and get us through some other means. That seems to be where right. they are, but I think the, the risk is you can't get a negotiated agreement uh, because the parties are actually too far apart on the subject. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that's the risk here. They, they can't easily get this done through regular order. And all I would say is, to a point that you've made many times correctly, that Republicans say what you will about them, and I've been very critical of Republicans, but... They've been pretty bipartisan. Uh, it has not been reflexively opposing things. And, and the latest example would be, now I was very disappointed in the House where only eight Republicans in the House voted for this electoral reform bill, uh, which I thought was a travesty. But in the Senate, it looks like smooth sailing. And there have been numerous examples that you've cited and so outfoxing each other and these sorts of maneuvers and, um, you know, it requires forbearance for parties to get along. And you would think that in light of the fact that there's been a surprising amount of, of cooperation, that they wouldn't be playing these games against each other because uh, I, I don't know where that leads us. Well, I mean, you know, the we, we see the proof. It, if you're not in the room, if you're not actually negotiating drafting the bill, it's so much harder to get your support for that bill. You can't just hand it to them and say, just take it. Uh, again, I thought Manchin might could, you know what? It's going to be so hard to get this done otherwise that saying just take it might be my best shot here. Maybe it's a 25% shot, but it's better than a 0% shot, so I'm going to try it. Um, but that's why it didn't work, because Republicans were not in the room negotiating the bill making the deals themselves, having that buy, having that agreement ahead of time. Hey, I'm going to go out there with you, Joe Manchin, and we're going to take the slings and hours together, and we're going to push this through like, you know, John Cornyn did. You know, people thought when John Cornyn did the gun safety bill with, with cinema, and he got yelled at at the Texas convention. A lot of Democrats said, oh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to fold. He was in the room. He made the deal. He was prepared for that moment, and he stuck with it. They didn't have that with permitting reform. So we'll see if they can manage to get it done otherwise. But I think what Democrats want and Republicans want here might just be too far apart to pull that off. All right. Well, good place to end. Uh, sadly, you know, Bill, you and I are doing a, uh, a DM Zoom this, this evening with Mike Murphy, famed Republican strategist Mike Murphy. Sadly, by the time this DMZ airs, I think it'll be too late to plug that. But um Anyway, you should know if you're watching us here that we have these calls <laughs> and we're having one with Mike Murphy. We did one recently with uh, exclusive to our Patreon supporters. Exactly. So you can go to patreon.com slash Bill Share, patreon.com slash Matt Lewis, either one and uh, support our work. And you will be, among other things, you will be invited on these 
cool, these calls and they're cool because it's a fairly, I mean, you know, we end up having a, a you know, a small enough group that I think anyone who wants to ask a question can. And so we had David from on a few weeks ago, and I think anyone who wanted to ask him anything could have had at least one, one chance to do so. So check that out. Sadly, by the time you see this, it'll probably have happened, but uh, that's only because of scheduling <laughs> snafus. <laughs> All right. Good to talk to you, Matt. And, Always good uh, talking to you, Bill. Anything you got to plug? Nope, just check out uh, uh, the uh, the podcast, Matt Lewis and the News, and check out my Daily Beast column. And of course, if you've not done so already, uh, subscribe to youtube.com slash Matt Lewis and get alerted whenever these dialogues, I'll say it, whenever these dialogues go live. <laughs> uh, I do have a piece up in Real Clear Politics about how Republicans can take the Senate that their, their, their lone geographic path seems to be uh, Nevada and Georgia. We talked about this last week, yeah. though I said Arizona when I meant Nevada. Um, uh, you know, if they manage to hold on to Pennsylvania, they know the only one of those two, but I think Pennsylvania is looking pretty tough for Republicans. Uh, and so that leaves them the, with only Nevada and Georgia's places where they are currently running neck and neck with in, in Democratic held territory. If they lose Pennsylvania, where Democrats gain a seat, they, they need two to be able to net one. Uh, and those you might are have, said it, wrong. You might have said it wrong once, but I, I, I knew that you meant Nevada. You must have said it okay, right a few okay. times also. I, I think so. But I, I feel bad if I confuse Sorry. anybody. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be back here hopefully on the DMZ next week. And hopefully we'll see you uh, on the Mike Murphy DM Zoom. So, uh, Cheers. Have a great week and we'll see you back next week. Thanks, Bill. Okay. Take care.